Welcome to the Millennial Therapist Podcast with Mao and Nao. This podcast is hosted by two millennial therapists who are true crime, forensic psychology, and macabre obsessed. This is not your typical mental health podcast where only mental health and social work topics are discussed. We dabbled in various topics from cultural humility to military mental health to ghosts to interesting ways our parents use the paranormal to discipline us. Ed Kukui, anyone? <laughs> Why so many topics? Because we're millennials. To make things more interesting, one is an Air Force veteran and a mom of two. The other is currently serving active duty, and both are children of immigrants working to honor their ancestors. Warning, listener discretion is advised. A hard one. Honestly, I didn't do too many days of research because I just it just enraged me. This podcast episode is sponsored by Rage. (laughs) (laughs) And outrage because it's just another spoiler alert. It's another situation and event that injustice. It's shit. I did get some requests and questions about if we were gonna cover it. And of course, there's a million other podcasts, YouTube videos, documentaries that cover this. But this will be our perspective and opinion. So disclaimer, we, yes, are therapists and clinicians. However, this is all our opinion. It does not reflect our employers or anybody else, I guess. So that being said, we are going to talk about who was Casey Anthony? I'm sure you've seen her face everywhere. She is a beautiful and young woman. She was, I think, only 22 when she went to trial, which is crazy because she's not that much older than me. She was, so she was born in March 1986 in Warren, Ohio. I was born in 1987, so she's only a year older than me, barely. Yeah, like a, a year and some change. She is one of two children of Cindy and George Anthony, where her dad worked in law enforcement. I want to say he was, yeah, he was a police officer. She had mentioned that before. She grew up with a police officer father. Anthony was described as a bright, personable young girl with friends that many thought was an ordinary family. Not much childhood history was discussed in any documentary or anything like that. Like they never mentioned any childhood trauma or any domestic violence. A lot of sources, articles, other podcasts says that the pattern of lying began when Casey was in high school. And specifically, all the sources talk about how she repeatedly lied to her parents that she was going to graduate from high school. But she didn't even have a cap and gown to show them, like, hey, this is me. So Cindy, her mom, continued to press her and say, like, hey, where is it? Asking for details. And in one article, I read that they found out when they were at graduation, which I would not be surprised that homegirl took them all to graduation to be like, oh, I'm not walking or some shit but anyways it came out that she didn't have enough credits to pass but it was the school's fault because the schedule messed her up and she didn't know when classes were get the fuck out of here but in reality she was skipping school to hang out with her older boyfriend which i mean i can't hate like who didn't (laughs) nail probably because nail went to school (laughs) thank you for calling me out (laughs) (laughs) 
It was the friends that went. I was the one that was calling to be like, hey, was that due? Too bad I didn't do it. <laughs> School's a rough time. This is the crazy part that makes me know, in my humble opinion, allegedly, that her parents are enablers. Like most parents are, right? Like, we're not perfect. We want to do the best for our children. We want to protect them and everything like that. Her mom found out that she wasn't going to graduate, but said, hey, don't you fucking say anything to anybody we're going to have a graduation party anyways and continue to tell her family that Casey graduated with honors. If that don't give you Aunt Becky vibes <laughs> with honors, I get it. I mean, it is embarrassing or that's your business, but I'm sorry. If my child does not graduate, I'm like, that's on you. You better figure out. We'll figure it out together, but uh, you are not getting the news spread that you got honors. No, ma'am. So that makes me think, as most families, there's a facade, especially they're pretty, you know, middle class, probably upper middle class family. People saw them as normal American families, so they didn't want their only girl to feel embarrassed. They didn't want it, so they enabled her and was like, it's cool, we'll just lie to everybody. I think she ended up getting her GED, I'm not sure, but she didn't have her diploma. So regardless, she moved on with her life. I think she moved in with some roommates and was like living her best life and then got pregnant. So this is another interesting story of how she is so unaware and has like poor insight and is like pathological liar because she was at her uncle's wedding with her family and she was getting like hella attention about her stomach because they were like, oh, she's pregnant. She looks pregnant. So the family was congratulating Cindy about the new news and they were kind of like surprised. Oh, we didn't realize, you know, she's pregnant. And Cindy was like, she's not pregnant. She's a virgin. There's no way. And confronted her about it. And Casey's like, no, I've never had sex. No. One of her uncles, I don't know if it was the one that was getting married or just another uncle was like, she's either pregnant or has a tumor because it is huge and she needs to get it seen. Like, guess how many months she was pregnant at that time where she had the audacity to deny. Homegirl was in her last trimester at seven months pregnant talking about I'm still a virgin. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know and that's like I and I get it like 19 pregnant like that's young and I know there's so much stigma about it but I think what is so important for this is like it speaks to her character and I don't know if I don't we've never covered it but what I've been learning is like people lie out of survival right like people lie because they're trying to cover up some insecurity or survival blah 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 like how they're saying like oh she didn't start lying till high school no homegirl was lying about everything probably and nobody really acknowledged it kind of like we were talking about jody arias where people were like oh she had a good childhood it's like i highly doubt that it was a mentally stable if that's the word you know what i mean like there's no way all of a sudden she became a pathological liar at high school so yeah she lies about being pregnant and of course her parents were upset and they're like what the hell but regardless oh and they also they still don't know who the father is and i guess at that point casey had no idea who the father was either she was engaged to a jesse grund who she thought maybe was the father he's the one that raises kaylee so that didn't make a difference to him but she wasn't sure so no shame in that on august 9th 2005 kaylee 
Anthony was born. And a friend of Casey said that she had discussed giving up the baby for adoption, but her mom discouraged her from doing it. She thought about options, obviously. She was only 19. And the podcast F. one has an episode called four episode series called Casey the host noted that sources said that Cindy the mom not Casey held Kaylee immediately after she was born so instead of the birth mother holding her baby the grandma did which I didn't have anybody in my delivery room like for both pregnancies it was just me and my husband But even with my husband being there, like, they gave me the baby immediately. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know if Casey was like, I don't want the baby. I found that a little interesting. Casey's cousin and I think brother also noted in one of these sources and interviews that Cindy, the grandmother, would often refer herself to Kaylee as mommy, if that makes sense. So instead of saying, like, I'm grandma, she would say, like, mommy, I'm mommy. So totally erasing Casey. So I think that speaks... I think regardless, I think it is very evident that Cindy has played a huge part in Kaylee's life. Despite being set with Casey probably about being pregnant, like she took her with open arms and had that like immediate bond. I think that was at a detriment to her and Casey's relationship. There were reports of Cindy and Casey just having a kind of a, I would say toxic or I don't know, but it just wasn't as loving like Kaylee being there you know Kaylee was probably getting a lot of the attention where Casey wasn't anymore couple incidents where she held the baby the first time and Cindy calling herself mommy to Kaylee I wonder with the pattern of chronic lying and disregard for anybody else and having to hold herself in this light I wonder if her mother had some personality disorder traits herself again not diagnosing and i'm not blaming anybody i did want to make a point in this conversation to talk about what it looks like to have a parent that has characteristics of narcissism so it doesn't have to be diagnosed narcissism the information i got is characteristics of a narcissistic mother but i will say parent or caregiver because we all know it's not just mothers that can hold this and it's not just mothers that take care of kids so it's from cbtpsychology.com narcissistic tendencies can be as damaging to a child here are some signs you have a narcissistic mother or parent caregiver so if they constantly need the conversation to be about themselves brags about your achievements to others but rarely validates or acknowledges you personally blames others for any problem you may have that stem from her behavior is well liked important to others but controlling and harsh when no one is looking makes you feel bad for not doing what she wants immediately makes you feel guilty by boasting about how much she does for you harshly opinionated at home but puts up a front for people she dislikes ruthless and unforgiving doing anything she can to be on top or he they to be on top makes you feel anxious and often lowers your confidence so again this does not by any means criteria for narcissism just some characteristics of that within the same article it gives you ways to cope with a narcissistic parent or caregiver so if you feel like you've been affected by any of these traits here are some things you can try to cope make some room so when that person doesn't get their way and takes it out on you don't be passive let them know that this way of dealing with their anger is not constructive strategies to diffuse a situation can be challenging to come up with on your own on the spot so it's best to think in advance 
setting bound if you're that caregiver that person anybody that's narcissistic pretty much is taking out whatever they have on you projecting you can set that boundary of like i'm not having this conversation with you right now another tip is be compassionate even if it seems like they don't deserve it recognize that they need compassion empathy and pity from you they may have a hard way of showing it but they do still care about you I haven't done a lot of research on narcissism and the etiology of it, but I think it comes from a lot of neglect and abuse. Like at some point their needs weren't met. So you create all these personality traits to survive. You know, you have to tell yourself you're important. You have to tell yourself, but I think it like there's a line that gets crossed where then it's affecting negatively affecting your interactions with other people so if you're dealing with someone that is has that narcissistic characteristics if you're compassionate then it kind of disarms them right and it gives them a a space to not be so defensive so I, I can definitely see that being effective accept and let go try to accept that their narcissism is who they are and there's nothing you can do to change that and also more importantly it's not your fault whatever they're projecting or displacing onto you most likely is nothing you did to to have them do that to you have some confidence and recognize that you have your own self-worth even if they downplay your strengths you are your own person you're valuable and you are enough and yes it's shitty that your caregiver person is not the one giving that to you but clearly they have their own stuff to deal with and then lean on others you can always find a support system that can validate your worth in your value and kind of being okay with unfortunately not having that specific relationship and of course if you feel that your safety or mental health is at risk you can just keep your distance keep your distance altogether you don't have to engage you don't have to have a relationship and that is okay so yeah so that was just a little bit of narcissistic characteristics and how to deal with it again if you find like that you are experiencing any of that i don't want to i don't want you to be like mama neo diagnosed my mom like that's not it at all is for you to just be aware of some personality traits that people may have so if they make you feel like shit all the time it's most likely not because of you it's whatever they're dealing with it makes me just wonder if there's some stuff that cindy was dealing with and the dad they don't talk a lot about what happened and put a lot of blame on Casey yes I get it she's a shitty person but again I'm not here to justify what she did but we're here to explore what happened what was going on right and what influenced certain events so we can't just look in a silo of like oh Casey was a liar and then she killed her her daughter like I think there is much more that led to sweet baby angel Kaylee being murdered and she was born they lived with her parents and her fiance acted as the baby's father but eventually a dna test concluded that he was not kaylee's father and then in mid-june 2008 cindy i guess cindy and casey got into it and cindy questioned criticized casey's mothering so casey so she left she went to her new boyfriend's house whose name was tony lazaro he was a few years older he was like a dj at nightclub so she was now living this like you know club dj girlfriend life where she was partying all the time but she had this little baby she had like a two-year-old child at the time i saw on bailey sarian's youtube video that she did about this who and she does like extensive research i think she had found a source saying that casey was giving her daughter xanax to knock her out so she could party that is highly uh, lethal and deadly 
I don't I don't see it anywhere else in the articles. I'm not sure where she found it, but even if it was just like Benadryl for just like just a little bit, no, like you only give kids medicine if they need it. But she was giving her Xanax, which is a benzo, like it's one of the original psychiatric medication. It knocks your ass out. Like for the folks that take benzos legally or illegally, like you know, <laughs> that shit is not. I've never taken it myself, but because I'm scared, but like. That shit is crazy. So let's go into a little bit more of how I I think that ties into what she was saying. So anyways, over the few weeks, Cindy will call Casey to check on Kaylee. Not to check on Casey because she's a grown-ass woman, but she's like, where's my baby? You know, or where's my granddaughter? Each time Casey told her that Kaylee was with their babysitter, Zaneda, quote-unquote, Zanny, the nanny, Fernandez Gonzalez, she might have possibly given her Xanax. Xanax is easy to find off the streets, like, and she was in Florida, like. <laughs> but yeah, telling everybody that she went with Zanny the Nanny, Zaneda Fernandez Gonzalez, supposedly a black Puerto Rican woman from New York City. And how fucking dare you to put this on? So eventually, okay, I'm not going to go on that. I'm not done yet. We're not done yet. <laughs> We're going to come back to that. <laughs> she says zanny the nanny is taking care of her she tells everybody that she has a nanny on july 13 2008 cindy and george receive a letter from the tow truck company saying that hey your car is in the tow yard and they're like what the fuck so their car that casey is driving because mind you she's only what 21 at this point so she's so when george goes to pick up the car from the tow company lot he finds Casey's purse along with Kaylee's car seat and toys. So that's weird. Then he smells something fucking putrid coming from the trunk. And mind you, he is a ex-cop. I don't know if he's retired, but he is an ex-cop. I'm sure he's done seen some shit. And I remember reading somewhere where he was like, yeah, this doesn't seem right. Like, he was very concerned by it, where Cindy was just like, it's fine, or it's an animal or some shit. I think Bailey talked about it. Like, the mom was kind of, I think she went into denial mode. Like, you're grown-ass people. You're not stupid. Like, I think you can start to put things together, right? And the dad was always like, this, something's not right. Casey's hiding something from us. Like, he was always, from jump, really on it. And Cindy's like, no, it's fine. We're going to find her. Cindy ends up going to Tony Lazaro's house, her boyfriend, finally, like, dragging Casey home and they confront her like where the fuck is she pretty much and she's like i don't know she's been lost or some shit like i don't know she's been missing for 31 days like so cindy calls 911 fucking distraught because she's like i don't know where my my granddaughter is and you can listen to it i only listened to a little bit of it because some of the podcasts had it on there and i didn't feel like skipping it she's very distraught and then this patcher's like what what is happening so casey goes on casey goes on to tell the dispatcher my daughter's missing she's been missing for like three weeks or something like what the fuck i just i'm scared of what what will happen if i call the police and when she says that, i think it's because you like you know how when people get kidnapped for hostage and they're like don't involve the police you didn't get no fucking hostage letter like what the fuck are you talking about that was like her excuse it was like i didn't know i was scared i was scared of what will happen you're not scared that your child obviously she's not scared because she knows what fucking happened <sighs> 
her reasoning of not calling was because she was scared of what was going to happen to her. She was going to get in trouble. And then she kept saying, well, like, I kind of knew she was with Zanny the nanny. She said, like, I'm pretty sure Zanny the nanny took her because she really loved her. But by the way, there was a more recent, right now there's a news article going around about this white woman who accused a Latino couple of kidnapping her child and now she's the one being sued because she is lying. White women are a danger to people of color when you are falsely accusing people of color for crimes that they did not fucking do. And if you don't agree, then don't listen to this because you can fuck right off <laughs> because that's just statistics and what's what's happening, right? That's the Karen movement. How many videos are we seeing of white women calling the police on black people and people of color and saying, I don't feel safe when you're the one you're threatening those same people that they're going to call the cops knowing what will happen to them if the cops come. If for her to specifically be like it was a black Puerto Rican woman that did it. What if they went and started profiling a shit ton of black Afro-Latina women? They might have. Anyways. <laughs> On July 15th, 31 days after two-year-old sweet Kaylee disappeared, her grandma finally calls the Orange County Sheriff's Office. And after questioning Casey, the detectives found discrepancies in a signed statement she made about Kaylee's disappearance. Casey's friends and family had never heard of Gonzalez. Later on, the detectives discover there's no nanny the whole time. But it's so crazy because if you didn't know anything about the case, she is so adamant that Zanny took her. She was like, I know she took her. She loved her. She was Puerto Rican and black from New York. But she moved to Florida. Her ability to blatantly lie is scary at this point i want to introduce cloy clint house he was the roommate of casey's ex-boyfriend tony lazaro so tony says toward the end of october 2007 is when i moved in with tony in the spring of 2008 tony ended up meeting casey online she was just a typical 22 year old girl she was a woman like 22 year old woman okay she's an adult she was but that was me not not a not roy she was bubbly <laughs> yeah so that's how social media and the media perpetuates this bullshit so no she is a 22 year old woman now quoting roy <laughs> she was bubbly and smart and fun we had a good time being around her it wasn't really that long after casey came around that we met kaylee from what i saw with my own eyes is that she was a great mother shut the fuck up how do you know i never saw her be physically violent towards kaylee i saw what i thought was love between a mother and a daughter mal here just because a mother does not beat a child does not mean that they're a great mother i'm sorry like there's more to that that's all just because she didn't hit kaylee does not mean that she didn't fucking do it so anyways <laughs> this is right now there became a time where we did start asking kate where kaylee was she was coming over on such a regular basis that it did seem kind of odd that we weren't seeing kaylee anymore and casey just kind of laughed it off and said oh she's with my mom or she's with the nanny but at that time it just didn't seem like it was anything like a red flag or anything which makes sense because so she wasn't living with she wasn't living with the boyfriend at, so it's not like he would have seen her all the time during the time that we think Kaylee went missing, I did not notice any kind of demeanor change. You wouldn't because she's a narcissist. I'm seen in several of these photos with Casey as she goes out fusion at the time. We had absolutely no idea what was going on. My ex-girlfriend at the time called me and said, you need to check the news. Kaylee's missing. I was shocked. All of us had thought she worked at Universal Studios. 
<laughs> I'm laughing because this bitch never worked at Universal Studios. All of us thought she was going back to school. No. Everything that Casey had been telling us was a complete lie. So she was lying to them too. I don't think that there's anything the world or the media got wrong about Casey. I do believe the justice system got it wrong. Good job, Roy. I appreciate that insight. Because that's a narcissistic people will do they'll lie and i think the more aggressive narcissism in men i feel like that's what i'm just the pattern that i'm observing in like these serious like ted bundy all his rage and obviously like went to like murdering women but with with women that have the narcissistic tendencies of personalities it's a little more low-key so like we're pretty sure jody you know met the criteria i think we talked about it and she had that one off like she's not a serial killer but she is a murderer allegedly i mean she was convicted of it yes so in interesting for me so there's so much more about this universal studios thing it's so intense and that's how i was like i didn't even put everything in there it is an important part that's where the officers are like you're a fucking liar and we're, we have enough information to charge you for the murder because she she had the audacity she had the ovaries to be like let me take you to where i work in universal studios and this bitch took them around for like over an hour she was arrested search for kaylee intensified Anthony came under increasing scrutiny for her actions in the days before Kaylee was reported missing. She was found partying in early July. She got a tattoo that read Bella Vita or Beautiful Life in Italian. In addition to her partying and getting the tattoo, she actually had written in her diary that was given to the courts about not having any regrets, essentially I'm paraphrasing, but having any regrets and what she did is justified but obviously she doesn't name anything and she literally wrote like i've never been happier this has been the happiest time of my life while her daughter is missing she says this this isn't what she said before this is while her daughter is quote unquote missing she writes in her fucking diary so they find on march 17th on the anthony's home computer there's google searches for peroxide shovels acetone alcohol and how to make chloroform coincidentally enough traces of chloroform which is used to induce unconsciousness were found in the trunk of casey anthony's car during forensic testing by a tennessee lab in addition cell phone records include text messages which casey calls herself the worst mother and calls kaylee a snothead but i mean who doesn't call their kids that don't judge me eventually anthony she was booked but then she was returned home august 21st when bounty hunter reality tv figure leonard padilla posted half a million dollars in bail mr padilla hoped that anthony would lead detectives to find kaylee but he was very disappointed when she didn't give them shit he labeled her as narcissistic and promiscuous fueling the fires of public sentiment against casey i mean narcissistic yeah but promiscuous we don't get down with that i mean that has nothing to do with anybody's culture that's the societal view on women's sexuality or anybody's sexuality so shut it anthony was then back in jail only eight days after being released by a half a million dollar bond this time charged with forging checks and identity theft like she could not control herself still had the impulse and compulsion to do whatever the fuck she wanted on december 11 2008 meter reader roy cronk found a 
plastic bag of human remains in a wooded area near Anthony's house. And other articles mentioned it. It was only half a mile from the house. The skull had duct tape on it. And then December 19th, the remains were confirmed to be of Kaylee Anthony. So the prosecutors sought the death penalty and trial began June 2011, three years after cable news channels broadcasted the trial live. And once again, Casey, Kaylee, and the family dominated the news. The prosecution painted the picture of Anthony as being a promiscuous party girl, unconcerned with her missing daughter and responsible for her murder. So, I mean, most of it was true. Promiscuous, again, not okay. A website about the toxic chemical chloroform had been searched, which we knew, but when Cindy, her mom, took the stand at court, she took responsible for doing that search, which I can't understand why the fuck she would. I mean, I know why she took the responsibility because she's enabling her, obviously. She's protecting her daughter, but I don't know what her reasoning was. So that was prosecution. Anthony's defense, led by Jose Baez, with co-attorney Cheney Mason worked pro bono and they told a very different story. So according to the defense, Kaylee had drowned in the family's pool June 16th, 2008, and that her dad, George, had covered up the death so that Anthony wouldn't be charged with child neglect, which I don't think her dad was down for that at all. I think he really pushed against that defense. This is where we're going to end part one of the the murder of Kaylee Anthony. And hopefully we provided some insight or just a little more details. I know when this was happening, I was in my own world, of course. I was still serving in the military, so I didn't really follow any of this. I knew it was this comeback next week for part two where Nao will discuss the final DCF report or the Child Protective Service report that was put out in response to Kaylee's death and we'll talk more about the verdict and where Casey is nowadays. So thank you again beautiful beings for being here. We love doing this with you all and love to hear from you so let us know your thoughts and please be sure to follow us on instagram i am out i'm constantly on our account so if you get dms from me please write back um no but definitely dms let us know what you think we love to hear from y'all and thank you for joining us bye till next time homies keep it real peace Thank you for joining us and be sure to come back next week where we continue to explore true crime, psychology, the paranormal, mental health, and everything in between. We would love to hear from you, so email us at millennialtherapistspod at gmail.com with your ghost stories, paranormal experiences, questions about therapy and counseling, or the social work field. And don't forget to share, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember, you are valued, you are enough, and you are not alone. Please subscribe and review. Bye-bye. Although we are licensed mental health therapists and may cover therapy-related subjects, the topics in this podcast should not substitute professional, psychological, or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you are a victim of a crime which includes but not limited to stalking, human trafficking, financial crimes, or sexual assault, please know the Victim Connect Resource Center can help. They are a referral helpline where crime victims can learn about their rights and options confidentially and compassionately. A traditional telephone-based helpline is 1-855-4-VICTIM or 1-855-4-842846. Or you can connect with them at chat.victimconnect.org or at the website victimconnect.org. 
If you or someone you know is in crisis, whether they are considering suicide or not, please call the toll-free lifeline available 24-7 across the United States by calling 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. U.S. and Canadian listeners can also text HOME to 741-741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor. U.K. listeners text HOME to 85258 and Ireland listeners text HOME to 50808. For more mental health resources and support, international listeners can visit the website unitedgmh.org mental-health-support to find more mental health services and resources. And if you are a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, connect with the Veteran Crisis Line to reach caring, qualified responders with the Department of Veterans Affairs at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or text 838-255. Or you can always visit veteranscrisisline.net. If you or anyone you know may be experiencing domestic violence, you can find resources and support with the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Visit thehotline.org or call 1-800-799-7233.